Welcome to another episode of At Home with Leaders, this new mini-series, part of the Leaders Performance Podcast. I'm Matthew Stone, the Senior Product Manager here at the Leaders Performance Institute. Returning listeners, welcome back. New listeners, thank you for joining us. We hope these conversations on this podcast will attempt to uncover what the smart people within sport and high performance are doing now or will do in the future. Alongside me, once again, is top psychologist, more importantly, friend and colleague, Mr. Michael Caulfield. How are you this morning, Michael? I'm particularly well. Uh, it's as, as it's a, just a particularly nice day, so it's it's good to be here and uh, fit and healthy. So I couldn't be luckier. Good stuff. Excellent. So our guest today is the current senior coach at Leinster Rugby, former head coach of England Rugby, of course. But once again, more importantly, a good friend of leaders, Mr. Stuart Lancaster. Stuart, how are you today? Yes, very good. As Michael said, it's a beautiful sunny day here in Leeds. So, you know, I feel a fair way away from Leinster at the moment, but hopefully I'll get back to Dublin soon. But no, very much at home with the family in Leeds. Good. What is your work set up like? What can you see right now? Well, you believe it or not, I'm actually in my son's student house. <laughs> so I can <laughs> towels and rubbish everywhere. No, basically, I did a podcast, business to sport podcast, maybe a week ago. And just at the critical moment when I was being brought in to give my view on business to sport, our Wi-Fi at home dropped out of signal. So um, I was, uh, I didn't manage to achieve it. So when I've got things like this to do, believe it or not, my son's student home is a better Wi-Fi than our home. <laughs> so uh, um, that's why I'm here. So, but no, I, I mean... I'm very lucky in that, uh, you know, my wife and kids kids are at home. I can I can work from home, you know, Wi-Fi permitting. And I've got all my reading books, obviously, Zooms and webinars and podcasts. There's a lot of that going on at the moment, you know, linking up with the coaches at Leinster. I'm doing a talk to Irish coaches tonight um, on defence. I'm doing, I did a business one yesterday. Um, I did a talk to a thousand coaches from the GAA, so the Gaelic Football Association Mm -hmm. in Ireland, um, on Tuesday night. And then next week I'm doing uh, one for the English Rugby Union uh, for the the RFU on coach development. So there's lots of, it's amazing really how full my diary is, if I'm being honest. Yeah, busier at home than busier in in Dublin. How how are the Lancaster family and how's, how's the Leinster family right now? Both going well? Yeah, no, they're good. Um, My wife does a lot of online fitness, so she's flat out really doing all that. Uh, my son's 18, he's had an MCL injury, um, so he's on the road to recovery match. So it's been good to spend time with him. You know, I've spent, I don't know, since I joined the RFU, I guess, you know, commuting from Leeds to London in 2007. Obviously, that was for eight years. Uh, left the RFU and then commuting from Leeds to Dublin. So it's nice to spend time with him and my daughter. She's 19, she's doing sports psychology uh, at Northumbria. So again, you know, good to spend some time with her. And in, in Leinster, you know, Ireland seemed to be slightly ahead of the UK and they, they shut down the country quicker. Obviously, there's the natural borders there and they have proportionally less cases in Ireland than they, we have in the UK. So they're talking about not removing lockdown, but, but a gradual return um, probably sooner than they are in the UK. So the players are training um, on individual programmes at the moment. Uh, we're connecting with them, but there's a hope that at some point in the next maybe three to four weeks that there'll be some form of connected training which takes place albeit might be still with social distancing which then leads into more formal based training you know beyond that but it's all driven by obviously you know the scientists and and certainly for me personally it'll be driven by what happens in Ireland. Stuart I I spend a lot of time myself fortunately in Ireland with working with Cricket Ireland Um, we're planning for or still are planning for a a campaign the World T20 in Australia in October we obviously don't know whether whether that will go ahead and I'm finding uh, and even from a from a from a, from a severe distance that 
some of the communication methods have actually improved through through this extraordinary situation. I believe in Ireland, you call it cocooning. We call it isolation stroke furloughing over here if, if you're laid off, etc. Has there been an unintended consequence out of this, Stuart, which has surprised you and even made you feel even more optimistic about the way we can talk to each other and coach when we when we get back to work? Yeah, I think I think for sure. I think there's been a lot of unintended consequences. Um, and certainly remote learning and remote meetings and remote communication is probably going to stay now, isn't it? Um, you know, there's no reason why you need to fly to America to meet someone when you can, you know, have a call with them. It's probably just made it clear to, to everyone you know, the technology you have available now is only going to be for the good of the environment anyway or for the good of everyone's health and well-being because you're you're travelling less. So, yeah, I think that's definitely been an unintended consequence. The actual, the second is the one I just referred to is the family time and the ability to sort of slow the pace of life down and take a time to reflect. And I think as a society uh, and as a world, really, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an opportune time to say, listen, we need to slow things down here and we need to redress, redress the balance on a lot of things. I think if we do that, hopefully we'll get back to a different normal. Yeah, I was going to say, is the is the team planning to get back to that different normal, or are you just dealing with the here and now at the moment? Yeah, no, no, no. I, well, I did, I did a presentation to players, so I like to, obviously I can't see them all the time, but I like to still let them hear my voice, so to speak. Um, so I did a presentation and I talked over it and made some key points on the past, i.e. what we've achieved this last 12 months the present where we are now and how we can maximise this opportunity and the future where Leinster can go in the future. We've had a fantastic season to date. You know, we've won 19 from 19. We've had that's six games in Europe. And I think there is an opportunity for us to, to grow and kick on from here as a, as, a, as a team. And it's important to project that as a leader you know, in, the image, in, in the images of the players, in the, minds, in the minds of the players, so that they can strive towards that. So whilst they're training on their own, they know that their brothers are, are doing the same. That's the key, you know, is remote leadership in this in this time. And the more and the better the leadership we have in these moments, uh, the better we'll come out the other end. The, the world just simply won't look the same when we get back to work. And I was talking to a number of your colleagues in, in rugby last week, and they think this is the greatest opportunity since since the game went professional for the, for the whole sport to look at itself in, in, in terms of how it's governed, in terms of even the rules and the playing styles. In your reflective moments, do you think the, the game will can look different or should look different when it when it returns to, to action? Will it, will it be slightly faster? Will, it, will players be lighter even? What, what might happen, do you think? I think? I think the first and probably the most obvious change is the structure of the game in the world, the global game, will change because, you know, this financial challenge that's been created by the virus is significant you know it's very significant for sport across the board you know we rely very heavily in rugby on obviously spectators on games and all these things obviously have been shut down at the moment and even when they're reopened there's no telling to to say how much uh, how many people can watch and what the commercial appetite will be to to be involved in the sport but there's never been a really clear and coherent strategy on growing the game you know when the game went professional sort of everyone went to profession in their own countries and in their own ways uh, and I think this is a brilliant opportunity to to get the global season right, to get the the competitions right, the competition structure, to get the playing balance and the rest for the players, which is critical, obviously. So hopefully it'll create some aligned thinking at the top end of the game and we'll come out in better shape, albeit it might take 12 months from now. And then the game itself, I think, I think the game is always moving towards the game of movement rather than the game of power. I think those days are sort of, have gone and certainly if you looked at our profile of our squad, you know, I certainly wouldn't describe this as a power based team. You know, we try and play the game of movement, which is hopefully enjoyable to watch, which again comes back to the, the original point. We want to grow the game by playing attractive rugby and the rules should 
should help us do that. And I think if, if that's the case, we'll reduce the ball out of play time. We can reduce, increase the ball in play time and make it a, a more attractive prospect to watch. Then we'll come back hopefully better, in better shape, both on and off the field. I'm finding that the players across all sports, and it's mainly cricket and football and rugby, they've become really quite self-sufficient during the last three to four weeks. And when you speak to them and hear from them, and we all have the wonderful methods of communication, they're actually keeping themselves ticking over quite nicely. The body mass might be a problem in rugby, of course, but they're actually, they've adapted to this new world really quickly. Do you think this could do players some good in the long run as well and just managing themselves better? Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I certainly think that. Um, I think, yeah, I would agree, certainly the players at Leinster, you know, it's a perfect opportunity to improve your diet, you know, to improve your, your daily habits, to to reflect more, to study more. And I think it's true for everyone, not just rugby players, to be honest. It will be good for the players. I think also, someone described to me as um, your journey as a, a leader is almost uh, on, on, like you're on an upward curve and there comes a moment where you plateau as a leader and you take that time, time out, let's call it, and then you grow again and move on. And the same is true for players. And I think we're all in this plateau, you know, it's an enforced plateau period. And, but it can be a really positive thing, I think, for everyone concerned. And players are pretty adaptable. There was a guy, um, Richard Parks, the back row, he used to play for Wales. He played at Leeds, actually. And he um, is a, now, he does amazing things, you know, walks up Everest. And he's been to the South Pole three or four times. I heard someone talk about him the other day. And he described his isolation period when he was walking to the South Pole in the storming, norming, performing um, mindset. So he would start off on his own, walking towards the South Pole, and he's, frustrated and he can't get into his rhythm or his routine then he settled down into um uh, into a routine and then he he really begins to perform as he accelerates towards the south pole and i think it's a really good analogy for people to use in this window you know we we had a sort of one to two week window where the game was shut down of finding our feet how what was going to work what didn't work you know family stuff training can i do this can i do that um the storming bit um, the norming bit, you know, the settling down of that. And now I feel, uh, if you speak to our players, and I guess if you're saying the same about your players, they're in that performing mindset at the moment and they want to come back better than when they left. And I think through the remote connection we can create and the fact that you you can see that your, your teammates doing the work, you know, through the data and the stats and everything else, you know, we should still come back in, in good shape and connected. As a psychologist myself, and your, your daughter's now studying sports psychology at Northumbria, I have to come clean here and say that I make my living, I hope, from relationships. And I know that you as a coach, you've developed some fabulous relationships over the years. How important have those relationships been to you in your role as a coach and now as a leader? Because that's what you are. You're looked up to, Stuart, as a leader. How has that changed over the years? And how important still will be those one-to-one personal relationships in high performance? Yeah, well, I've been, I was very lucky, really. From the outset, as a, as a teacher initially, I was mentored by some very, very good teacher trainers so they were the sort of the architects really of of giving me the passion to teach and to coach um as I progressed through from teaching into coaching you know around the ages of my late 20s into 30s uh, I was again supported by probably three different people Um, and Brian Ashton being one who was in charge of the academies at the time in England that he was uh, he was very good at giving me a vision for where the game should be and the relationship I generated with him led to other other relationships uh, Kevin Barham was the head of coach development for the RFU. And again, he was very, very good at directing me and signposting me to the right learning opportunities. And those learning opportunities do two things. One, they give you the, the chance to learn and to grow your mindset and your skill set. But secondly, 
they give you a chance to meet people from other teams, from other organizations, and that then grows you know, exponentially on the back of that. And then third one was um, Bill Bezik, who was um, a sports psychologist, a bit like you, I guess, and he'd worked with England football and Manchester United. And he again introduced me to a whole different way of thinking about the psychology and the mindset of sport, but also to open my door, open the door to resources and to and to other people. So I guess my, my message would be to people who are listening is the way to build good relationships is to get yourself out there and and to and, and to meet people and to learn. Um, and once you've established those relationships, it's a bit like an invisible cord between two people. The the more you communicate, the more you connect, the thicker the cord can grow. And it takes energy sometimes, you know, um, particularly in a team, you know, to connect with every player, to connect with everyone in the management team, to connect with the board, connect with the supporters, connect with the commercial people. But if you if you can find the energy to do it, to learn, to grow, to meet people, then ultimately those relationships will pay off in the long term. And you might not connect on a three to four month basis, but then that 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 cord is always there. And if I use, you know, Matt as an example and leaders, you know, I probably first came involved with leaders in maybe 2010, 11 maybe. And well, certainly I, I presented, I remember presenting um, when I was just taken over as coach of England. And on the back of that relationship, that has opened the doors to so many other people who I've learned from, you know, through the P8, through other leaders events I've been invited to. And the easy thing to do when you're in the busyness of your day-to-day job is to say, oh, listen, I'll, I'll go next time or I'll go next time. But you do miss vital opportunities to learn and grow. And so I'm a firm believer in in the importance of relationships, the importance of connecting those relationships and maintaining them and growing them, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense because last night, uh, by chance, but uh, again, I orchestrated it. I, I was speaking to a coach I'm working with at the moment. He's of he's in his late 50s. Uh, it's, it's not rugby union. And of course, he's 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 at home. He hasn't seen many people for three weeks and he, he thrives on relationships. And he won't mind me saying this, but he sent through his, he called it coaches ramblings on a PowerPoint presentation to the players last week and the staff. And it was captivating. Uh, he, I think he was a bit nervous to do it at first year, but he pressed send and we all received it. And then it just, it gave an insight into him. And one of his points to me was, he called it, he called it that cup of tea. And I asked him to explain last night what he meant. And he said, Michael, there's some people I like to have a cup of tea with. And there's some I struggle to have a cup of tea with because I don't feel a stronger connection to them. And he's been coaching for 30, 35 years internationally. And he said, having the courage and the energy, as you called it there, Stuart, to sit down with people and just get to know them, he said, has become one of his greatest coaching tools over the years, as much as the technique, which has improved in the data and the science. And, and, and he impressed upon me the importance of just sitting down when we can again and getting to know people, even if you find it uncomfortable at times. And that's, I think that's the point you were making there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think getting onto the shop floor would be the best way I'd describe it in a, in a rugby sense. So... You know, the easy thing for me to do is to sit on my laptop and study um, the game, the team that we're playing, prepare the next presentation, think about my training session. But actually, what I need to do more is to get down to the gym floor and just walk around the room, get the temperature of the room, chat with players, see how their weekend was, what they thought of the game. You know, it's my chance to sort of say, listen, I thought you had a, a brilliant game of the weekend, the way in which you prepared, the way in which you trained, the translations from that into the game, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You can really have a positive impact on so many people in a very short space of time by just getting out and walking around the building. And again, yeah, I say it's, it's, it seems such an obvious thing, but we, we get sometimes lost in the, the busyness of our to-do list. But on top of the to-do list would be build relationships, connect. And then when you connect, 
um, you you often get commitment back because people have seen you've made the effort. Joe, can I ask one further question before Matt comes back in? And I followed your career closely and I followed your, your move to Leinster closely. And I think it came on the back of a phone call from Andy Farrell just saying, how are you? And do you fancy coming over to Dublin? We often look at players' confidence and we look at the team's confidence. Can I just briefly touch them on a leadership and their confidence? Because I can't believe that leadership is a plateau and, it, and you feel absolutely on top of your game every day. How do you manage and, and build and maintain your own confidence as a leader? I think confidence can grow by competence. So by competence, I mean, I think leadership is a skill that can be learned. I think there obviously are people out there who have natural leadership instincts and leadership skills. But I think we should move away from the, the mindset that, that leadership is a, is a skill that's bestowed to a, you know, a special few. The more you study leadership, the more you think about leadership, the more you read about leadership, the more you, you watch great leaders and you reflect on your own leadership style and learn more about your own personality and how you lead. I think the better, the better leader you become, and obviously there's never it's never a straight upward curve. There's there's ups and downs along the way. But if you're if you're growing and, and making more positive contributions than, than than making mistakes, then your leadership credibility will grow. And I think you know the more I read about other leaders, um, the more I think that it, it has given me the confidence to to go ahead and lead. And what I really enjoy now is passing what I've learned as a leader. So, you know, you mentioned the LinkedIn content to put out there, which is all free anyway. These are just things I've learned. And it's very rewarding to have 12,000 people connected who are interested in developing as leaders also. So I enjoy sharing what I've learned. And I think the, the, the lesson I would give to anyone also, particularly young, young leaders out there, is don't wait. <laughs> don't wait for experience to teach you. Go ahead and study it. I wish I'd learned at 21 when I knew at 31. I went on a leadership course, um, Ashridge, it was level five for the RFU, uh, uh, it was Ashridge Business School, and they opened my door to the mindset of developing as a leader, and I was 31, and what I'm trying to do at Leinster is pass up what I've learned to those players who are 21 now, um, so they can become much better leaders by the time they're in the 30s, and, and obviously, you know, you go from your 30s to your 40s, and your 40s to your 50s, through experience you learn, but I base mine around four tenets really, you know, my leadership philosophy based around being honest, you don't have to be inspirational all the time, but you have to have inspirational moments. I think you need to have technical excellence in, in your chosen field. And I think one of the key things as well to be an effective leader is doing what you say you're going to do. So one of the key things that affects credibility of leaders is the fact that they, they, their actions are not consistent with their words or they promise one thing and they don't deliver. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of learn. There's a lot still to learn, but it's, it's enjoyable to pass it on as well. So you've always been incredibly generous with your time and, and sharing, Stuart. And I actually remember you came into the to the leader's office and spoke to us. And you also yeah. did a fabulous talk in, in Chicago uh, about the lessons you learned from the England job. I think just looking at your time at Leinster now, an incredibly successful few years, what, what are some of the lessons maybe you've learned in the new role and in the new organisation from your time time in Dublin? I think I think one of the key things is, is if you divide your role up, in, in any organization into leadership management and coaching you can probably assign or it might not be coaching but let's say the technical part of your job my, mine is coaching let's say I was a teacher it would be teaching so leadership management and coaching in my world uh, and you assign percentages to each one um, and what proportion of your time are you spending in each area and I think the big change for me is after the World Cup and after finishing with England I went away and I actually met various people that I'd met through leaders. So, you know, I went to a, a New Zealand, I went to Australia, I went to South Africa. Um, but it wasn't just the meetings I had, it was the time on my own to think. And 
I thought a lot about what my passion is. What do I really, really enjoy doing? You know, what is it I want to do for the rest of my career? And what is it I want to do at the end of my career that I can share? And it was down to leadership and coaching, really. Um, so the, the change at Leinster, when I got the opportunity to go there, was the proportions shifted from less coaching with England because, obviously, the nature of the, the job meant there was a heavy role in terms of managerial stuff and, and leadership stuff. And effectively, you're director of, of rugby, really. Um, it's a bit like becoming, you know, going into school and starting off as a PE teacher and then ultimately becoming the head teacher. You don't actually do any teaching by the end. It allowed me to redefine what I was passionate about. And then Leinster gave me the perfect window to to pursue those um, with a talented team. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a very much a coaching role and a leadership role. And a lot of the managerial stuff is, is done by guys to be by Leo Cullen. Uh, alongside others and um, you know it's definitely uh, it's been a great move for me I've been there three and a half years now and I remember I was very lucky to meet Jim Collins who wrote the book Good to Great who's a fantastic leadership expert in America and anyway our, our England rugby camp in 2015 was in Denver and Colorado and um, out the blue I mean this is the type of thing I would do I would read a book I think geez you know it's a really interesting book I might drop him a connection and try and meet him and see if we can pick his brains and it was a shot in the dark really but anyway I managed to get um, an opportunity to meet him in his office in in Boulder Colorado he was we ended up having three hours actually with all his staff and it was amazing and he sort of followed my career on the back of that and he's a rock climber as well interestingly he told me that analogy of you know plateauing and he, he watched after the world cup and he sent me a note I'll never forget he sent me a note saying there's always another mountain to climb Stuart keep climbing and uh, we arranged a Skype call on the back of it and he asked me, you know, about my leadership, what I'd learned as a leader, you know, what, where I'd like to go as a leader. Uh, and he talked about um, Steve Jobs, obviously the CEO of Apple. And he said, you know, do you realize he got sacked by Apple 12 years before he went back there? And I said, no, I didn't know. I didn't really follow it too much. And I said, so what happened in those intervening 12 years? And he said, he went away and decided what his passion was and followed his passion. His passion was obviously making fantastic products or whatever. And then he went to, back to Apple, but did it in a completely different way. Now, I'm not saying I regret or would do anything differently, in particular with, with the England role, albeit, you know, if I could have delegated more of the managerial stuff, I think it would have freed me up more time on the coaching and leadership front. I think that's what Lens has offered, um, which is why it's been such a, such a rewarding job. Even with the enforced break, how will you and your fellow coaches guard against complacency when you get back? Because I'm not going to use the word unbeatable, but you're such a strong side. How will you guard against that when you get them back together again? So the trick is, how do you stay at the top when you're, when you're close to the top? And the, and the answer is to make change before change is necessary. And one of the things that Leinster, we need to make sure we do, and Leo does this uh, really, really well, is subtle changes within the coaching team or subtle changes in the playing group that constantly keep us moving forward and advancing as a team. If we were to stick with the same coaching team and the same playing group, doing the same things in the same way, then I don't think Leinster will stay at the top. But... If you take, you know, Manchester United, you know, back in the back in the days when Ferguson had created that that dynasty, really, there was always a change, you know, whether it was a Keane or a Beckham or a, or a backroom coaching staff, there was always a change that took place, a subtle change. And I think at Leinster, that's our challenge, but also our objective is to is to keep evolving. And in terms of complacency, you know, how can you avoid complacency creeping in? Well, competition kills complacency, and such is the competition from the younger players who are coming through the system at Leinster that if you're a senior player and, and you might be an Irish international and a, a British and Irish lion, then there is no way you can sit and, 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 and smell the roses, so to speak, because, because you won't get 
you won't you'll get overtaken by some of these young talented players coming through. And if you look at the age profile of Leinster, you know we have a team of under twenty fives that are exceptional, and we've also got some fantastic you know over twenty fives, obviously. But those over twenty fives, you know, they know they're being hunted by these younger group. And as long as you maintain that in a healthy, positive, constructive way, that's how you avoid complacency. And obviously, the internal desire to want to be the best club team in the world, you know, to want to to win Europe five times, to to want to keep winning the Pro 14, and to want to keep producing a homegrown squad. You know, 95% of the team in Leinster are from Dublin or from the Leinster province, you know. So that notion of driving the legacy of what Leinster were, what Leinster are, and what we want Leinster to become is is huge. Hugh, I can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, it's been a pleasure to watch your side play this year, sort of, because we were on the receiving end of it. Time is running short, and I want to thank you personally and behalf of Leeds before I hand back to Matt. And I hope we get the chance to, to meet again when, when we're allowed back out, because although we now live in the Zoom world and we live in the virtual world, which we all need to embrace, there is still nothing better than sitting down with people and discussing leadership, coaching, and people's passions for, for sport and performance. So, Stuart, thank you very much indeed. And I'll hand, I'll hand you back to, to Matt, if I may. But thank you very much. No problem. Yeah, Stuart, one, one final one from me, just can't let you go. Any books, podcasts, or, or kind of show recommendations that you, you've been digging into recently? You mentioned Jim Collins's books there, obviously. Any, anything else that anyone well, listening would, would, would be good to delve into? Matt, where do you want to start? I mean, <laughs> I've got like thousands. So, right, I'll try and give you a few, um, uh, not a top 10, but I'll give you, I'll give you a few to, so people can have a, have a think about. If, if, from a coaching perspective, the two, the two Bibles for me are um, the Bill Walsh book, The Score, Take Care of Yourself. Uh, to us, and from a leadership perspective, it's very, very good. And also um, John Wooden's book on leadership and coaching. I'd be very, very aligned to those two philosophies driven by those two fantastic American coaches, um, for, for sure. There's books that I read on communication, which I think are really important in leadership. And uh, Kevin Murray's books on language of leaders, communicate to inspire. I've, I've, I've taken a lot from those. The emotional side of leadership development, you know, emotional intelligence and, and, and you know, Daniel Goleman's book, obviously, his is the... The original one, but Martin Newman wrote a fantastic book, Emotional Capitalists, which I took a lot from. And there's a big book uh, that takes some that takes some reading called The Leadership Challenge, which again I, I've taken a lot for, and I'll probably go back to. I would go, I would read a lot of sporting autobiographies, um, even for little nuggets um, here and there. Podcasts, obviously, are the go-to now, and there are so many good ones out there. Um, Michael Gervais, Finding Mastery, yeah, he invited me on maybe two years ago, uh, but he's very, very good at peeling back the layers uh, of the people he interviews, his questioning approach, his ability to get the best out of people in those interviews. And I think that's the key to a good podcast. It, the quality of the questions that you get asked is is directly proportional to the insight that you can give. Those podcasts I find um, really enjoyable. So anyway, there's a, few, there's a few there, but to be honest, I mean, I did uh, seven, seven or eight podcast myself with the, um, uh, an Irish radio station called News Talk uh, off the ball and you know it has interviews on there with Kevin Bowring, Bill Bezik, Kevin Sinfield you know loads of loads of people who I've met along along the way um, who uh, tell their their leadership so uh, and a lot of the stuff I, I, I think of is, is of real interest I will type up into note form stick it on a few slides and I'll put it on LinkedIn. So if you don't want to do all the work, <laughs> reading all the books, <laughs> just uh, send me a connection and uh, access my posts and then there'll be a lot on there. So, But 
I'm always keen to learn, and like I say, I'm not saying it because I'm on here. The P8 and the way in which leaders have generated those connections for me, I'm very lucky to be able to connect with some fantastic, and we were talking top, top end leaders and coaches from sport. And I've probably learned as much in those environments as I have done anywhere else. Very, very kind, Stuart, and, and genuinely, I said it earlier, you're incredibly generous with your time. And anyway, anyone out there listening, do send Stuart a LinkedIn uh, connection request because there's huge amounts of, of great content on there. But Stuart, that was terrific. Really, really punchy and insightful and, and always a pleasure to speak to you. So thank you. No problem. That's it for this episode, but you will find this podcast and other episodes like this on the Leaders Content Hub, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your preferred platform. Like I said, Stuart was kind enough to share a 25-part series on his leadership lessons last year, which is still on our Content Hub and really is a, a brilliant learning resource, so check that out. That's available, plus much more video, audio, and written content at the home of Total High Performance on our Performance Hub at leadersinsport.com forward slash performance as always thank you to john porch for pulling these podcasts together behind the scenes you're doing a terrific job as always chap until next time stay safe and keep thinking speak soon